Hello, Go Church family. I'm Lara, and I'm with Pastor Matt Hatabo. I am happy to be here. Hi, everybody. Hi, and Gilbert. Hello, everyone. Hey, Lara. Hi. I'm really glad to be back, and it's been a very fun month, and it's a, a very important subject for us because the more we get into it, the more we realize how much we need to be doing this on a regular basis. Yeah, so if we plan right. on going forward as individuals, as a church, just so important. I'm really glad that we reached week three, and I'm sure everyone has a lot of questions because we, in week one, we talked about the meaning of fasting. In week two, we've talked about the method of fasting. And here we are, week three, we're going to talk about the rewards of fasting. I know that probably a lot of us are saying, oh, you talk about the reward, the reward, the reward. Pastor Matt's talking about it so much. What is it? It's not a ribbon. It's not a ribbon? <laughs> So, so yeah, we're we're gonna get into that, but I, I just want to recap for a couple of minutes what we've covered so far. So in week one, we've talked about the meaning of fasting, right? So what is the meaning of fasting? The meaning of fasting is, in a nutshell, quieting our flesh, quieting our souls, so that our spirit can supersede those things, like we saw in in First John. Uh, chapter 2, verse 15, the instruction is, do not love the world nor the things in the world. And in contrast, if we do love the world or the things of the world, then the love of the Father is not in us. And so we are using fasting in order to turn away from being too attached to the world or the things in the world. You know, our flesh is in the world. And our this our fleshly desires, our soulish desires are worldly if we are not renewing our minds on a daily basis. So you know Romans chapter 12 says, do not do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we don't fast, it's very easy that we just go with the flow, we conform, you know we, we go down the stream of life. It, it takes us where it wants to take us. But when we fight that or when we actively resist the flow of life, we allow ourselves to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, which is a which is a continuous process. So yeah. the renewing of our mind is a continuous process. And the fasted life is a continuous process. It is something that we constantly, continuously want to be doing. And... We went on in week two to talk about the method of fasting. And uh, in a nutshell, it's not a set of rules. It's not a set of religious practices. It's not limited to food. And it is not specifically defined. I mean, Jesus does not emphasize nor focus what to fast on, how long to fast on, what are you not supposed to do, what are you supposed to do, what are you supposed to say while you're doing it, what are you supposed to, you know tie it to and are you supposed to do it necessarily when other people are doing it but those things are not the focus the focus is how you act when you're fasting and what is the outcome of the fast and this is what brings us to week three right the, the outcome, outcome of the outcome or the what jesus called the reward yeah it's fascinating to me that he uses that word reward and 
he specifically says open, open reward. And, uh, you know, we were talking about if you want to be strong spiritually, start doing spiritually healthy things. Thanks. Yeah, that's good. Right? Well, talk about a reward. A strong mm-hmm. spirit is a reward. Mm-hmm. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14. I love this verse. It says, the strong spirit of a person sustains them in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? That's the Amplified. Um, if When we and everyone faces hard situations, when we find ourselves in a time of trouble, specifically trouble in our flesh. We need to have strong spirits to sustain. What do we mean by strong spirits? I mean, the greater one lives on the inside of me. That's true. And that's true for someone that says yes to Jesus, right? Because we don't earn things from God by fasting. But through fasting, we become spiritually dominant. We let our, the real us, our spirit man, dominate us by turning down the volume of our flesh and our soul. So the first reward we can see to fasting is the strong spirit of a person. The, wow. We become strong in ourselves. And we'll come back to that in just a moment, and I'll talk a little bit more about it. But that um, that is a reward that is displayed openly because when you, you recognize strength in times of test. That's really good. Praise the Lord. Wow, so when I get my flesh and my soul out of the way, the spirit gets stronger. Yeah. It's like taking weeds out of a garden, Right and letting the thing that you want to grow, grow. See parable of the sower. That's right. Yeah. Wow, that's so good. Also, since we're in Proverbs, I actually wanted to read Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4 is uh, exactly the the passage I want us to look at because this is, um, well, go ahead and read it. Sure, I'm going to start in verse 20 and I'm going to keep going. And uh, Pastor Matt's going to cut me when he wants to make comments, I, <laughs> I hope. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes and keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. So... I just want to I want to go back to this uh part in in verse 20. My son give attention to my words and incline your ear to my sayings. Yeah. So I I've I've heard it taught that when you incline your ear, you're moving out of the position of comfort closer to where your ear needs to be. It's well said to hear something, you know. And so Fasting is like getting yourself out of the place of default and inclining 
yourself. Look at the verb in that sentence, though. Give attention. So today, you, right now, if you're listening to this, you're giving some attention to this podcast. That's something that you decide to do. We can give attention to whatever we want. But um, Gilbert, you made this comment uh, a couple of weeks ago that we have a finite amount of attention. In any given 24-hour period, there's only so much focus. At some point, you just become like, okay, I'm done. I can't, I can't focus anymore. I'm, I'm finished. And if you have spent all of your focus on the wrong thing, then you can't focus on what is necessary. We're talking about fasting. So let's talk about food. If at lunch, instead of enjoying um, a reasonable portion, you had too much pasta. And if you're going to have pasta, then I'm going to have some bread to go with it. And this bread is really good, so I'm going to have too much bread Say gelato. And obviously, obviously afterwards, you have to balance out. You have to, Julie loves to say this. Uh, my wife loves to say, well, if you have something salty, then you have to have something sweet to balance it. Sorry, Julie. But um, <laughs> we'll see if Julie listens to the podcast. <laughs> but, uh, you know, after that, you have too much gelato. Do you know what you're going to find is happening to you in the afternoon? Sleep. They they call it a food coma, right? I mean, you're just, um, it's not really funny because uh, it can for the, you know, people can actually slip into an actual coma as a result of um, their blood sugar being so jacked up. But my my point in saying that is we have a finite amount of focus. What do we want to give our attention to? Fasting and the fasted life actually allows us to, on purpose, say, you know what, I'm not going to give all my focus and energy to digesting uh, two kilos of pasta this afternoon. Instead, I'm just not going to eat as much as I want, and I'm going to read all of Romans. In the time that I would take my nap in the afternoon... I'll take that, you know, 45 minutes. You can read, I mean, if you if you read really slow, you can get to the eighth chapter of Romans in about 45 minutes. Um, but you, you'd be surprised what you can get done if you just start giving attention and focus to it. Yeah. And that's really good. Guess what that is, getting things done. That's That's part of that reward. Yeah, that's really good. I want to go back to what we talked about in week one, mm -hmm. which is why do we fast? Yeah. You know, we, we talked about this in bits and pieces, but I, I do want to uh, pull out some examples and we're going to go back to the subject of reward. So we said that, so why do we fast? We said that, you know, Jesus 
tells us to fast. You know, this is, he says, when you fast, it's something that is expected of us as a, as a lifestyle. And we tend to see a need to fast when we want to strengthen our attention, our focus on God. You know, it's not like we need to fast so that God speaks to us. That's not what the Bible says. You know, the Bible says that as, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. It doesn't, you know, the Lord will lead us. I mean, this is his promise. This is his, his way of operation with us. It doesn't change based on what we do. But fa fasting won't uh, make God speak to me. But if I take the cinnamon roll out of my ear, I might be able to hear him better. Well, we're talking about a lot of desserts today. But, uh, <laughs> it's dessert day. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. Yeah. I mean, the idea is that we are making room to receive what he's trying to say to us. And, you know, to stop being so loaded with the assumptions of where I should go, what I should do, and how I should live, and make no room for correction or change. Um, and so I, I mentioned this, which to me helps me a lot, is that we fast when we recognize a need for a change or a growth, or we fast when we need a refocusing. So I'm going to read this passage in in a story which I really like in the Old Testament, which is in Second Chronicles chapter 20. And I just I want to point out a, a couple of things here. So it starts in verse one, and I'm going to read a, a few verses. So verse one: It happened after this that the people of Moab, with the people of Ammon and others with them, besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is En Gedi. Verse 3, And Jehoshaphat feared, and then he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast throughout all Judah. So, so at this point, I like that there's a connection between the fast and he set himself to seek the Lord. You know, this is obviously the intention that now we're stopping commerce. Okay. We're stopping, uh, messing around. We're stopping like hobby stuff right now. We're, we're, we're stopping our focus on the day-to-day -day life. And we are all setting ourselves to seek the Lord. Yeah. You know, it's not like the Lord doesn't have a plan already for that nation or for those people. He does. But the fact is, now we're listening, you know. It shouldn't be that when an army comes against you, now you listen. That's that's not the fasted life, you know. That is, um, that is a big events-based thing. But we should always be ready to hear from the Lord. We should always be ready to be sensitive to the Lord. But what you see here, and my point is this: that they recognize the need for a refocus, and so they. Uh, basically, he he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. If you read on in the story, you see that there is an answer from the Lord. I don't want to say an answer because that's the wrong implication, but when they're seeking him, the Lord speaks to the people and he gives them certain instructions about what to do, how to do it. And eventually there is a supernatural victory for those people of yeah. God that they, because they took the time to listen to him, he was able to get it through to them. But what we do see clearly is that they entered the fast expecting a result. 
are expecting something out of it. And so the result of the fast was victory. The result of the fast was that the Lord directed them to do exactly what he needed them to do to walk in victory or to come out of this victorious. And so in many situations and, and many stories, including Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through to 3, which is our key scriptures, we see that there is a fast and people go in to a situation fasting and come out with a reward or with a result or with a change. And, and you know, you've used this word a few times, focus. Yeah. So in Acts 13, also here in Second Chronicles, when it says that they went into the time of fasting, time of fasting, think about in Acts chapter 13, it says, and when they had prayed and fasted, they laid their hands on Paul and Barnabas and set them apart for the work which God had called them to do. Now, wouldn't that be silly if uh, what they fasted was, you know, they had, uh, they'd eaten lunch, then they went to the, the church building, um, which is a cut into the side of a mountain there in Antioch. Julie and I got to go up there and see that. It's amazing. I just stood there and cried. You can imagine. But, um, and then they were there for about 45 minutes, had a nice service, very tight, three songs. The the pastor of the church in Antioch maybe spoke for uh, eight minutes. Then they had uh, Paul and Barnabas up there. They laid hands on them. And then they said, okay, let's finish. And then they went to eat. The, they would just exclude the word fasting from that. They would have just said, and when they had called them up and prayed, laying their hands on them, they sent them out. No, it says that they fasted. We can see there, and we don't know exactly how long, but there's a period of time where they gave prayer their focus. And that's what I want you to take away from this time of studying about fasting. Fasting is giving focus to the things of God and taking that focus away from the flesh. I'm going to take focus that I normally would give for my own self, and I'm going to give it to this spiritual healthy habit. We go back to Proverbs chapter 4. Give attention. Don't let these words go out. Incline your ear. Move out of the place of comfort. Why? The end of verse there, he says, For out of your heart flow the issues of life. And um, that one translation says, For out of your heart forms the the channels like a river, your heart forms like a channel that points the direction you're going to go. So which direction are you going to go? Into the place of victory and into all that God has for you or just whatever happens? Yeah, so you know this is like the car illustration that you mentioned and like you know, when we were talking about the series and, and you had prompted everyone to pick up 
fasting in the month of January. And it's like, okay, you want the car to turn. I mean, the first thing you do is turn the wheel. You don't get out of the car and start kicking the wheels until <laughs> they they're, they're, they go right. You know, you turn the wheel and then the whole thing turns. And you also don't just keep going the wrong way and say, well, I guess this is just, this is my direction. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, that's kind of what fasting does. I mean, fasting is designed to help you change your direction, change yeah. your focus. Like we keep, I keep going back to that, but that's, that's, this is literally it. You know, we are, we are helping ourselves go a different direction by turning the wheel, by, by doing something with ourselves, by creating room within ourselves. And, you know, there are so many different places in scripture where we see fasting or we see an attitude of fasting. It's not only like, okay, now there's a fast proclaimed across a nation or across a church, but there's an attitude of focus required or refocus required. And we see that there are rewards on the other side and and they include a, a development of godly character so when we choose to fast um in a time of of difficulty you know we say that okay whatever's coming my way i'm not going to yield to it i'm not going to take the wrong decisions uh, i'm not going to respond based on fear i'm not going to this and i'm not going to that you're effectively taking a stand against your own flesh or your own emotions. And uh, I'm gonna, I wanna read James uh, chapter one, verses two through to four. And he says this, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Yeah. And you you may not see fasting in there, but it's in there. Yeah. Because the, the, the fact is, we talked about this last month, but there is joy in action. You know, you don't necessarily feel like rejoicing, but by faith, I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to, you know, with 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 joy, I'm going to draw out of the wells of salvation and I'm going to receive the promises that God has for me by, with, through joy, with joy, by joy. And the fact is, you know, when you rejoice, you are putting the flesh under, you are humbling your emotions. You are, you are telling yourself, nope, you don't have room to worry right now. You don't have room to think. You don't have room to fear. No, we are rejoicing right now. And the fact is, when you put that, you know, that action, which is contrary to your emotions, contrary to your flesh into action, you start seeing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And then patience has a perfect work so that we are perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This develops character in you and it helps you exercise your faith up until the point where you are lacking nothing. So the reward of rejoicing in this situation is lacking nothing. It is receiving everything. It is having everything that you need. And that can look different in different situations. The, the The whole point is that there is no specific reward for a specific thing, but there is an outcome of the right decision that you took going into a fast. 
So that can look like development in godly character. That can look like supernatural answers. That can look like, a, you know, a refocus of priorities. That can look like a a breaking of addictions in your life that have been holding you back from taking a step because you've been so afraid to disconnect from little habits and little patterns in your life that pull you away from God. You know, it it can look like, um, it can look like growing in faith and this is something we're going to talk about in our bible illustration and um there are so many benefits that come from fasting and each and every single one of them is the reward that that you will receive and not only that like pastor matt said the lord rewards us openly you know so so that that growth and development in the direction that the lord wants you to go is going to be manifest in your life. It is going to be visible. It is going to it is going to allow the Lord to use you in bigger ways, in greater things. And it's going to allow him to promote you into places that he's always wanted you to be in. Yeah. That's absolutely true. Yeah. You know that you mentioned the Bible illustration and uh in the grow groups this week. I want to look at the uh the verse or the, the, the story of the, the little boy that was healed. Um, we see the story in Matthew chapter 17, and uh, it's also in Mark chapter 9. This occurs right after the uh, Mount of Transfiguration. Um, Jesus, James, and John come down from the mountain, and they... Uh, for the sake of time, I'll just you know, kind of share it. But the uh, they they're walking down, and they see this great crowd of people that are gathered. There's a lot of noise going on. And uh, Mark chapter nine verse fourteen says, "And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes were questioning with them, and straightway all the people when they beheld him." greatly amazed and running to him and saluted him or said hi. And uh, verse 17 says, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto you my son, which has a dumb spirit. Matthew, um, actually, Matthew 17 says, My son is a lunatic in the uh, King James, which just seems kind of un- unkind. But uh, says he says sore vexed and oftentimes falls into the fire and into the water. Um, uh, some other translations of this, we might get the idea that this child suffered from what today we would have called epilepsy, um, or the symptoms of that this child is suffering are similar to what is medically called epilepsy. But um, the scripture here says that this is the work of a devil. Verse 18 of, of Mark 9 says, and wheresoever he takes him, he tears him and he foams and gnashes with his teeth and pines away. And I spoke to your disciples that they should cast out this demon and they could not. Verse 19 
Jesus answered him and said, Oh, faithless, notice that word, faithless. What does faithless mean? No faith. No faith, right? Faithless generation. Notice it didn't say, Oh, generation that doesn't fast. <laughs> Hold that in your mind. Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. And they brought unto him, uh, they brought him, the child, unto him. And when the child saw him straightway, the spirit tore him, and he fell on the ground, wallowed and foaming. So look at the, get the scene here, gets what's happening. Jesus, James, and John have come down, reunited with the other disciples. There's a big crowd of people, and in the middle of this crowd is a problem. The problem is a father who has brought the child who has been suffering from these demonic attacks, and it is uh, not just, you know, it's, it's endangering the child's life. The father is wanting to see his child delivered. And as soon as the child sees Jesus, what happens? He begins this attack. This attack is very violent. From the description we have from the father, it's sometimes he, he falls into a fire. Sometimes he falls into a body of water. He is moaning. He's rolling around on the ground. He's gnashing at his teeth. In other words, this is loud. This is very, um, this is getting a lot of attention. This is happening right in front of Jesus, right in front of the Father, right in front of all the disciples and the crowd of people, right, that are, that are all standing around. And Jesus asked the Father, how long ago since this came unto him? So, so this is happening. This, this child is, is, in, uh, in, in, is having a, a seizure, right? He's, he's seizing, and Jesus' reaction is to turn to the father, to, to the boy's father, and say, how long has he been like this? Do you know what I, what I see when I read that? Is confidence. The complete lack of fear. Notice it doesn't say Jesus uh, suddenly knelt down and began, you know, rendering aid. He's not in a hurry. It is, uh, it's a good lesson to remember that the devil doesn't set our schedule. Yeah, that's good. And when, when crisis decides to throw a fit in front of us, we don't have to say, oh, wait, this is now the most important thing. The child's father says he's been like this all of his life. And oftentimes it's cast him into a fire and into waters to try to destroy him. And then the father says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Verse 23, and Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Now, verse 19, generation without faith, 
verse 23, if you can believe. So this isn't, we're not talking about God's ability. We're talking about, can you believe? Believe. All things are possible to him that believes. That verse is said by Jesus. Jesus says those words over the noise of that little boy that is having this fit. The father, he says, um, and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, which is a great, honest, and um, it, it's an honest statement. You know, like, I, I believe, and if there's part of me that doesn't believe, help me. And I like that. Because he's not saying, I've got it all figured out. Verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, now he's not willing to let the devil get, uh, you know, have, have the headline. Came running together. He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, you dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you to come out of him and enter, enter into him no more. Verse 26, so after Jesus said that, the spirit cried and rent him sore. That's what it says in the King James Bible. That sounds violent, loud, and like the opposite of what Jesus said. Right? Yeah. <laughs> because what Jesus said was, come out. And it actually, verse 26, it looks like it just got worse. And came out of him. And he, the child, was as one that was dead, insomuch that many that are standing around said, he is dead. So this kid falls down, has what we would today consider a seizure. We would, we would think that he was having a seizure. But this is the work of a devil. Jesus cast the devil out. It looks like it gets worse, and then it appears that the child is dead. And everyone around says the child's dead. Verse 27, But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and the child arose. And when he came into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Uh, madam, hey boss, um, why could not we cast him out? Now that tells us a couple of things, right? First, they had had success in the past. We know that from Matthew chapter 10. Yeah. We know that from Luke chapter 9 and 10. They even came back to Jesus and said, even the devils listen to what we say. Yeah. So they want to know, look, you told us we could do this. We did what you said. It didn't work. Then you come down and it worked. Why couldn't we cast him out? And verse 29, somehow all this talk about faith has been changed to, 
ah, well, this kind comes forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And somehow people take, the, the takeaway here is um, you can do everything with faith except for certain kinds of ministry. And in that, you have to really earn it from God by prayer and fasting. Well, that's not biblical. That's actually totally against the context of the scripture. In fact, Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, in response to the disciples, Jesus said unto them, so in response to the question, why couldn't we cast him out? Because of your unbelief. He's still talking about the same thing. So where does prayer and fasting come in? One way we could read this, just to make it, um, to shorten the time in our discussion here on the podcast, is this kind of unbelief, because the devil was already gone. This kind of unbelief comes out by prayer and fasting. What is the reward of fasting? Go back there and stand with Jesus. Stand just, just bet between Jesus and that boy's father. <laughs> Look at that scene. There's a crowd of people. Everyone's looking, questioning. And this boy is bad, and it looks like it's getting worse. And Jesus is absolutely confident. He's not letting the crisis drive him. He's in control. What is the reward of fasting? In the midst of crisis, strength. Yeah, it's pretty good. Because here's what happened. This is clearly, it's repeated over and over again. The father says, this is what happens when, the, when this spirit attacks this child, my child. This same thing happens. It's repeated over and over again. Do you know what that tells me? That tells me that when they brought them to, you know, which disciple was it? Probably Thomas. I bet it was Thomas. Doubting Thomas. <laughs> Poor Thomas. Thomas is going to, he'll be after me. But when they brought them to the disciples, what happened is the same thing that happened when they saw Jesus. When that devil saw Jesus, what happened? The kid starts to have this epileptic seizure. And the disciples, well, uh, I, I don't know what to do. I'm really sorry. I, I, it Normally it works. I don't know why it didn't work. If you just stick, stand around here, the boss will be coming back and we can ask him. So what happens when we have a time of prayer and fasting? Our soul and our flesh get quiet. And we become spiritually dominant. Spirit, yeah. Our spirit dominates us. So that when things look like it got worse after we prayed, we don't, we're not moved. And when everyone says, it's over, it's dead. 
we just reach down and pick him up and say, come on. Yeah. Yeah. What is the reward of fasting? It's 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. It says, the God of all grace. That's what we started talking about, right? We don't earn things from God with our works. We receive by faith all that he's given to us by his grace. The God of all grace who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that you have suffered a while, make you whole, establish, strengthen, and settle you. What is the reward of fasting? To be whole, established, strong, and settled. Yeah. So when it looks like things are getting worse, I just declare, nope, because I know. I know him, and I'm not moved by what I see. And I've already told my soul to be quiet. And my body is already used to me telling it to hush. So this little thing, it's nothing for me. It doesn't move me. My prayer and my heart for the Go Church family is that we all together emerge into this place where the natural realm is our servant because we recognize that we have been seated with him in heavenly places and we act like what he says is true about us. And as we respond to situations, we have come through that time of fasting and prayer. And that kind of unbelief has gone forth from us. And now the thing that is left is strong, is settled, is established. And we're not moved by circumstances. That is the reward for fasting. That's so powerful. It makes me want to look forward to it. makes me look forward to fasting fasting yeah to putting this into practice and, yeah. and and allowing my spirit to be strengthened well there's a scripture in isaiah uh 64 7. i love this verse and um we probably won't get to this in the grow groups but um isaiah 64 says there's none that calls on the name on your name and stirs up themselves to take hold of you. Isaiah, uh, in this passage, is lamenting that in their nation, there's no one that stirs up themselves to take hold of the Lord. But that's not true in Beirut. And my challenge and, and prayer that we would not get so focused on the natural 
but that we would stir up ourselves to set the natural aside and press in to him for our nation. I say our because I live here too. Yeah. That we would press into him for all that he has for Lebanon for these days. It should be, because we are here, it should be exactly the same thing that's said in Joshua 24. It should be said about here, about Beirut, Lebanon, about the whole nation of Lebanon. There failed not one promise. Yeah. There failed not one promise. Why? Because there are people here who will stir themselves up and take hold of the perfect will of God for this nation. So my challenge to all of us is come out of January the Fasted Life series with a fasted life and make a practice of telling yourself no and reaching into that eternal realm and taking hold of the perfect plan and will of God for all of us so that Go Church emerges to the place God would have it. Yeah. That's good. With that, I'm going to close our time here. We look forward to being with you in our next series. And we look forward, of course, to the grow group discussions. And I want you to be active, but don't let this be a subject. Let this be a mark that stirs you up to press into him. We love you and we're praying for you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message. We want everyone to experience the unconditional love of God, grow in his love, and go with his love to the rest of their world. We invite you to connect with us at one of our groups or our next gathering. And if no one told you yet today, we love you and believe God's very best for you.